Welcome to the Spiritual AF Life Podcast. This is the Spirit Stories edition that I do every Friday. And my goal of the Friday Spirit Story editions is to really give you some like insight, to give you some heartwarming stories and inspiration that will help you throughout the weekend. Maybe see those little mini miracles in your own life. But guess what? Today's story is going to be a little different. It's not going to be a story about angels, past loved ones, or spirit guides. It's honestly going to be a crazy AF life story of mine that I don't think that I've ever told to anyone. And it's pretty insane. Now that's coming from me. So you guys know my life where it's always been like a roller coaster and, you know, let's just say a lot of fun. And this one, oh my gosh, I had no idea the guy was in prison and I was working with him. Oh my God. It's so incredibly crazy, but it all starts with imposter syndrome. So I'm not sure if you've ever heard of imposter syndrome, but now it's like a big buzzword going around. Everyone is talking about it in the personal development world. And at the time, the story that I'm going to tell you, I didn't know what imposter syndrome is, okay? But imposter syndrome is when you are doubting your abilities, you feel like you're a fraud, you feel like you're a phony, you feel like at any moment that you can get caught with whatever you're doing. It's actually like an inner experience or phenomenon, and it has you believing that you're not as competent maybe as other people think that you are. So maybe you have felt this wave, and it affects a lot of people who are, you know, perfectionists high achieving and people that find it really difficult to accept their accomplishments, you know, and their achievements. And at this time of my life, I couldn't even accept a compliment. You know what I mean? It made me feel yucky and it made me feel, you know, indifferent. And that's the thing is the purpose of this episode and for me to talk to you about it is actually honestly three different points. Okay. So the first one is, is that I want you to see if you actually have imposter syndrome or if there's someone in your life that's suffering from it. And then maybe you could share the story with them or maybe share this podcast with them and that it can help them out. Or for you to recognize it, that it's happening within yourself right now. Spirit has been talking to me about this episode and by sharing the story so much. So I know it's happening for a reason. And if you are listening to it right now, it's either going to be meant for you or someone else in your life. There's some big takeaway in this story for you. So Stay tuned to see if you can tune in to exactly what that is. The second one is, is that so you can start receiving. So many spiritual people and many, many women, it's very difficult for them to receive. And we need to start receiving compliments and we start we need to start feeling better about our achievements and the things that we have overcome. And then maybe hearing the story will help you put a little bit of pep in your step to help overcome. And the third reason why Spirit told me to do this is because we have to keep the faith that everything is happening for a reason. Now, I know you probably heard that a zillion and five times, and that was a zillion and sixth time you ever heard it, but it's really the truth, and sometimes we may not be able to see it, and sometimes we may never even know the reason why that something happens. But the thing is, is that there's no doubt in my mind that we are given the tools of the things that we are needed right before we're going to need them, before an issue arises or a challenge or a lesson and that kind of thing. And in the story that I'm going to share with you today, that's exactly what happened. So, all right, so get cozy and let's get started. 
Okay, so this story takes place, I think, back in 2007. I'm not really, really sure. But I was actually living in Flint, and I was trying to find a job closer to my family in, like, the Madison Heights area of Michigan. So if you guys don't know, it's about, like, an hour away from each other. And I was kind of staying with my mom for a few days trying to find a job down here. I forgot what I was doing in Flint. I was probably waitressing and also working at a child development center. And Craigslist was really, really big back then. And I was answering an ad for a catering position. So it was a catering restaurant that was just opening up and they needed captains. And I was just like, oh my God, I had already been serving then for at least seven years. I had already been in waitress. I already had a lot of experience underneath my belt. And I also did manage a small restaurant in Flint. If you guys know the Up North Grill in Fenton, I used to be a manager there. And also the one in... um. Burton, Michigan as well. So anyways, I am really, really excited, but I'm very, very nervous about this interview because it's like, oh my gosh, it's going to be, I'm going to be a captain. I'm trying to be a captain of this catering position. So basically what a captain is, it's just basically a snazzy term, you know, for like a head waitress of a catering place that was actually fine dining. Now I did work in a fine dining restaurant believe it or not, in Flint. And that was a really amazing experience. So I felt like maybe I had some experience, but maybe not to the fullest fine dining like some other people have had. You know, fine dining, I believe in Flint, might be a little bit different than the fine dining that you will see in New York. And so I really had no idea what to expect. And I actually had to drive to Southfield for this interview again, that is like about a half hour or so away from where my mom was. And it was a huge building in Southfield, if you guys know Southfield area, there's like a lot of those tall buildings. And at the time, I had such low self-esteem, such low self-worth that I couldn't even go into the mall, okay? You know, where you go into the mall with like Macy's or Hudson's, you know, used to be, and you walked in and there was all those cosmetic girls, right? I didn't even feel comfortable walking in because I didn't feel like good enough. Those girls were always so beautiful and, you know, they always seemed rich and like they had money. And then it's kind of like, who am I? to be here and they're going to try and sell me something and I can't sell me, they can't sell me anything because I don't have any money to buy it. Or, you know, they're not even going to look at me because I am like too ugly or, you know, they're going to be, you know, commenting on my makeup. So I would just, I was always so scared of what people were thinking about me. And now here I am about to go into those, these really tall buildings. And all I can think about is, you know, the movie wasn't out then, but the devil wears Prada where those girls are all dressed all beautiful to the nines with their heels and their hair and it's just all beautiful and perfect and I'm not that way. I did dress up. In fact, I think I wore some really nice slacks, some heels, a really beautiful like purple sparkly shirt and I think maybe my sister did my hair or something along those lines. Like I did not take care of myself back then at all. So I didn't own like a blow dryer. I didn't own a flat iron. I didn't own anything. And so I remember being so incredibly nervous because not only am I applying for a job that I do not feel that I am worthy of, but now I have to go into one of these buildings and I have to act like I belong there. And I'll be honest, it was like way too much for me to handle. And I broke down right there in the car and I called up my sister and I was just crying to her and she's like, what is going on, Heather? And I'm like, I have a job interview. And she's like, well, why are you crying? Like who in the world cries for a job interview? review. And I didn't know at the time, but I was experiencing 
imposter syndrome. And I was like, I'm not good enough. And they're going to see me for what I really am. And you know what I mean? I'm not good enough for this position. And I don't even know why I came here, but I drove all this way and I'm here and I don't know what to do because now I'm in a conundrum because I definitely don't want to be a no-show on this interview. So I have to stay there. I have to keep on going, you know, because that's just part of who I am. But if I go into the interview, then they're really going to see that I am not what my resume makes me out to be. And I remember my sister just gave me the biggest pep talk and she was trying so hard to get it into my mind that I am just as good as everyone else is and that I just need to take it one step at a time. So basically, I just needed to go in there. And I just needed to do my best. And that is it. And it wasn't up to me to decide if I was good enough or not. It was going to be the position, right? It was going to be the manager, the hiring manager, the owner to see if I would be a good fit. So it's not really truly up to me. All I had to do was just kind of show up. Why not? I'd already, you know, burned the gas getting there. I've already gotten dressed. I might as well just go in. And I loved how my sister just made it more down to earth and is a little bit more simple and then she just reassured me I remember saying I felt like a wolf in sheep's clothing and she was like no 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 you are like a wolf and or you are a sheep in a sheep's clothing you know what I mean you are exactly who you think you are and she's kept on reassuring me that and that just really helped out so if you don't have someone like that to call, then definitely find someone, you know, get them, figure it out now. So when that time comes that you will have someone just to vent to for a few minutes to get your head on straight because I ended up going into the interview. Oh my gosh. So I remember it was on one of the highest floors and I was so incredibly nervous because I am like, oh my gosh, you know, I just feel like the higher the level in a building, then the better these people are and they're so much better than me. And I remember sitting across from this man and it was going very, very well. And they definitely wanted to have me as a captain on their team. And I just, I mean, I was just blown away. I, I couldn't even imagine this, right? Because he also talked about some other people who had, you know, been able to work at like Las Vegas restaurants, you know, where, you know, they're huge, ginormous restaurants, you know what I mean? With a lot more tables and, you know, they had to manage a lot more and Las Vegas fine dining is probably definitely on a different scale than Flint fine dining, right? And so I was so excited and it was just going so incredibly well. And then my mouth dropped open when they offered me another position. Are you ready to hear what it was? They actually offered me the position of helping them interview more of their candidates. They said that I had so much, you know, knowledge, experience. I was such a good person, people person that they were like, man, we really need you on our management team, you know, to try and help get this catering, you know, business off the ground a little bit by hiring the best people. Oh my God. Can you believe it? Just like five minutes ago, I was crying, not thinking that I was even good enough to be interviewing for this. And now all of a sudden, they want me to join the management team. There's, oh my God, there's no way. Like I, 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 I think I probably cried just thinking about like, oh my God, this is my life. And they're like, yeah, come back tomorrow. We're going to, you're going to be doing the interviews. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be doing the interviews. This is freaking insane. So 
I come back the next day and I am just like, I feel like I'm living a dream because now I am doing the interviews for people. I was just in their spot, like literally the day before, but now here I am doing the interviews. And luckily I've been a manager before, so I understand how to fill out like the forms and everything else like that. Because if I hired someone, then we got all of their new hire paperwork going in right away. And so I remember sitting across interviewing some of these people that like, oh my gosh, it's like they have way more experience than I do. But I try to like play it cool, play it cool. Like that imposter syndrome just kept on coming up. But at that time I was in this office and I didn't have time to, you know, go and cry, right? Like I had to be a big girl. I had to put my big girl panties on and I had to keep on interviewing these people, even though I felt like not good enough. So anyways, it goes like really, really, really well. And I believe it was that same day, you know, the manager, the guy that had interviewed me, he was sitting in and out of some of the interviews with me. And he was like, oh my gosh, I really hate to ask this, but would you mind giving me a ride home? He was like, my daughter took my car and she's still gone with it. And she was actually supposed to pick me up. You know, it's just, she's in the middle of getting her own car, but she had to use mine. And at the time I was like, oh my gosh, of course, you know what I mean? Of course I'll give you a ride and that kind of thing. Thing. Like, I totally understand, you know, teenage daughter, that kind of things, shit happens. And it was so funny because now I drove, I forgot where, like Gratiot somewhere. So if you guys know that, it's like, um, on the other, it's like another like half hour, 45 minutes away from where we were at. But I didn't drop him off at his house. I dropped him off at a bar. And I was like, okay, that's kind of strange, but whatever. So I go back to my mom's house. I'm actually talking with my boyfriend at the time, who was Jay, you know, ironically, the one that was killed in the uh, motorcycle accident. And I was talking with him and he was like, man, I really don't like this guy. He's like, that's really weird that you had to give him a ride. And I'm like, no, it's not really that weird. Like I, you know, I had to go ahead and, you know, do it, it look really good on me and, you know, stuff happens and that kind of thing. And, you know, for some reason, Jay's like intuitive sense if you will, were going off. And he was like, yeah, I don't really know what's going on with that guy. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, he was in the restaurant business for a little while. He ended up getting out of business. He went and stayed up North for a little while with his brother, just trying to get an, a sense of what he wanted to do with his life. Because I believe that, you know, his restaurant closed down. It didn't go very well. And now he's trying to basically get back into the business. Jay's like, okay, okay, okay. You know, he was like, I understand that. And it was really funny at the time because my intuitive senses were like zero because I had zero trust in myself. I had, I trusted in way other people, more of other people than I did myself. So I had no like bad feelings going on whatsoever because at the time I felt like everybody knew better than me. So <clears throat> I go back to work the next day and it's going pretty well. It's going pretty, pretty well. And I'm not sure if I had to drop him off anywhere or not, but I end up backing at my mom's house and I remember him saying, okay, hey, I need you to help me with some investors that we are having, you know? And I'm like, of course, you know, I can definitely help you with this, but guess what? what the next day I was so sick I could barely lift my head up off the ground like I was trying I was pushing I remember you know taking my car and trying to drive you know to the the workplace Southfield and I couldn't I had to go all the way back home and my boss was extremely mad you know the one that I had to drop off at the bar he was very very angry with me but I, I couldn't I, I couldn't move I, I could barely walk and I remember 
I came back to my mom's house. My mom wasn't there, just my stepdad. And I went behind the computer and I was actually just like emailing and I was actually IMing, if that was a thing, messaging. I was messaging Jay, probably on MySpace, right? And all of a sudden, I just lost all ability to move my body. Like it was not working anymore. It just stopped working. I couldn't type anymore. I couldn't smile. I couldn't like probably even blink at this time. I could just breathe. And so Jay got really, really worried that I was um, not responding to him. And he calls up my, the house phone and my stepdad comes in and he finds me just kind of like hunched over on the computer, not being able to move or talk or anything. He was kind of like a jerk that day because he just picked me up and kind of like threw me on the bed in a very uncomfortable position. Luckily, I was able to move my head so I could breathe. But yeah, I just laid there literally just like a bump on the log. And uh, Jay actually ran, not ran, um, he actually drove to my mom's house right away and he found me and he helped me, you know, he helped me get my coat off and things like that. And he helped lay me in bed. And it was about hours later, I started convulsing, but they weren't like seizures. They were more like really, really strong twitches. And then I dealt with those convulsions slash twitches for a few hours before they took me to the emergency room. And then when they took me to the emergency room, I forget what they said caused it. I don't think I had a fever. I think that it was something along the lines of like low blood sugar or something along those lines. And they sent me home and they were able to give me some remedies to help me feel better. Better. And meanwhile, I am just feeling worse because now I had just gotten this new job. I was supposed to be part of the management team. And now I hear I am sick and I can barely like even move. And I was just trying so hard to get better. And this guy won't stop calling me because he needs to help me. You know, I need to do these transactions with these investors. And it was so funny because I remember it was a day or two later. I finally am able to walk. I'm feeling a lot better. And he's like, okay, hey, he was like, I'm going to stop, stop by and I'm going to give you a package that, you know, you'll need to give to the investors and that kind of thing, because I'm really busy. I have some other things to do. And you are basically a, um, the face of this company as well, right? Cause you're a management team. We need to train you. We need to get you up to speed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, of course. But some reason I didn't have him come to my mom's house. I met him somewhere and I grabbed the package. Okay, do you want to know what the package was? The package was an envelope full of thousands and thousands of dollars, right? I don't even know. There must have been almost 10 grand in that envelope. And I was like, okay. And then I was waiting for him to message me the address in which I had to drop off this envelope. And you guys, like, I understand what you're thinking right now, but I was like young and dumb back then. Remember when you are beat down in life, right? And maybe a lot of you can, you know, relate to me on this, but when you are beat down and you are always told that what you say doesn't matter and what other people matter, you put all of your hope, thoughts, you know, everything into what other people are thinking because you think they know better than you do because that's what you were taught. And so, of course, you know what I mean? This guy is an up and up businessman. You know what I mean? Why don't people understand that? So Jay was like freaking out because the address came up and I had to go into Detroit and drop off this large sum of money. No way in heck was he allowing me to do that. And even at this time, I was like, oh my gosh, you want me to go drop off 10 grand worth of, you know, cash and bills in Detroit? 
oh my gosh. And it was so funny because like Jay's like freaking out and everything. And I am like, you know what, maybe I can still do it. I'm just going to do it this just once and that kind of stuff. He's like, no, he was like, you have no idea what the hell you're getting into. It was actually pretty freaking funny. And I don't know if I would decide that I was going to do it or not until Jay sent me a link. And in that link, it was a picture of his mugshot, my boss's mugshot. So apparently when he went up north to go live with his brother, he wasn't living with his brother. He was actually in prison and it was like for fraud and, you know, like embezzlement and things like that. That's the reason why money laundering, like that's why he was in freaking prison. I was like, oh my gosh. And so I know that this catering restaurant was actually like a front for him to launder some of this money. And I forgot exactly how I broke it off with him. Obviously, I gave the money back to him somehow, meeting him at a location and that kind of stuff. I remember him being very, very angry with me for like quitting, for not being able to do it. I think I actually blamed my sickness and that kind of thing. And I just like, hey, I'm not going to be able to do it. But he actually hired me because he thought for some reason that my credit was good enough to get us into venues like the casino and things like that. Because he had told me in passing that his credit was ruined because of that um that restaurant going out of business and he wouldn't be able to get some big ticket um, places for us to cater like the casino unless, you know, we had someone with good credit. And apparently I might have applied that I had good credit, but at the time I did not. <laughs> and so I remember thinking, what in the world did you get yourself into? But luckily I was able to get out and I was able to get out fairly quickly. So yeah, he was mad at me for a while, but there was not a lot of backlash. I tried to report as much as that I could, but you know, I didn't really didn't have a lot of evidence except for, you know, what he said, she said. So I thought that was really in crazy story about imposter syndrome because it's just like, wow, I was so blind to a lot of the things that were going on. And I was blind because I just kept on thinking that everyone else was better than me, that they knew better than I did, and that I was not good, good enough for anything. And spirit must have known that there's someone else that's thinking about this and that can learn from this, that may be even going through a hard time because I was going through a hard time back then. Oh my gosh, don't worry. I ended up going back to Flint and I came down a couple years later and that kind of thing. And that's a story, crazy story in itself. But I'm really happy that I got sick. I'm really happy that something like that happened because what if, you know, I, Jay wasn't the little birdie on my shoulder, you know what I mean? Um, you know, my little conscious, my little Jiminy Cricket, you know what I mean? Telling me not to do some of these things. Like would I have went to Detroit? What would have happened? You know, obviously I grew up right outside Detroit. So I'm not scared to going in Detroit, but it's like, what kind of people would I have met there? You know what I mean? Would they have been the best people? You know what I mean? Probably not because then why are they getting 10 grand in cash? You know? So it's like that. And it's also to remind you too that like jobs as well, you know what I mean? They're going to come and go in your life. 
safe and there might be reasons why you are not getting those positions that you are applying for or you're not getting that new job, new promotions, those kinds of things, right? It's just because everything is going to be happening in a certain way. Who knows what kind of imprint that I left in that man's life, you know? So who knows about that? But it definitely left an imprint on mine and it makes my imposter story syndrome, I think, one of the most craziest ones. So I hope that you have enjoyed it. I hope that you got something out of it, even if it's honestly a little bit of entertainment value. But now maybe spirit will stop chitter-chattering in my mind, um, downloading how I needed to tell someone this because there's definitely someone, whether it's you or someone in your life, that needs to hear the story too. And maybe it's even just all about trusting in yourself a little bit more and listening to yourself. Because if you listen to yourself, you're going to get in a lot less trouble. And then if you do listen to yourself and you are wrong, at least you can finally say like, hey, at least I was honoring myself. At least I was trying to do something good for myself, right? You can never, ever go wrong taking care of you. Some other people might get mad. They might get upset. Doesn't really matter. At least that you were honoring yourself and you're taking care of yourself. That's truly, you know, the best thing that you can do. Luckily, I have learned, I have learned, I have learned. This is one of my learning experiences where it's like, hey, Heather, other people don't always know best, okay? In fact, <laughs> who knows what will happen if you keep on thinking that other people know best? Who knows where I would have been? Maybe I would have went to jail. <laughs> All right, so I hope that this is like an entertaining, fun story that really gave you something to think about this weekend. And I can't wait to see you on Monday for the Divine Forecast. I will talk to you guys soon.